Welcome to the New Mana Podcast, an Arch KCK production. Welcome back to New Mana, your newest favorite Catholic podcast on the Holy Eucharist. My name is Lee McMahon, your host, and I serve as consultant for evangelization at the Archdiocese of Kansas City in Kansas. But don't be fooled. If you've got a pulse, this podcast is for you. If you are hungry for more, if you are fed up with the empty promises of the world, Jesus has more for you. We have been called to communion in Christ. We have been given the mission of bringing people to Jesus and bringing revival to the church. So, our title, New Manna, comes from John 6, 58. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not such as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. Jesus is the new manna, the bread of life, and he gives himself totally to us in the Holy Eucharist every single day. So before we jump into the episode, I just want to say thanks to everybody out there who's left a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You're helping us get the word out that Jesus is alive, that he's about a good work, and that he's truly present, body and blood, soul and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. So thank you for your yes to leaving a review. And guess what? If you haven't, you still can, as long as you're not driving. Be safe. <laughs> um, we have a really special really special episode for you today. I am joined by two very lovely ladies who are going to share a little bit about healing. We're going to cast light on the darkness about the things that aren't really talked about in the church today. Because Jesus, he came to heal. He came to set captives free. And there is no corner of darkness that is exempt from his mission. So before I give anything away, I just want to say hi to Miss Amy and Miss Linda. Thanks for being here today. We just want to maintain a certain level of anonymity today, so hence just the first name basis. But again, ladies, thanks so much for being here. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Glad to be here. Amen. So Amy, tell us a little bit about about you. So um, like we said, I'm going to keep some of it kind of brief. Of course. Um, But um, I am a cradle Catholic, um, went to Catholic schools, and um, really have always known about the presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. Um, from I remember that from a very very young age. Mm. Um, there's been some definitely um, mountains and deep deep valleys sure. <laughs> um, in that whole process. But um, you know, if I think back to when I was really young, um, eight nine years old, you know, about the time you first communion, sure. Um, I'm like, this is really special. I mean, yeah. I didn't really know what that was. Um, I honestly remember my first communion because I was like, oh my gosh, what do you say after the priest says? Right. <laughs> Body of Christ. And I was like, I had to listen to the person in front of me. Yeah. Like, Amen. It's pretty easy. Sure. <laughs> so, um, so it's kind of, you know, it's always been in my heart from a really mm. young age. Okay. Um, but um, just some events have happened in my life sure. that um, have been really, really hard for me. Um, but they've also brought me closer to Jesus in a way that yeah. I never knew. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what I, you know, I want that, the message to be when we get finished with this today. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think, first of all, I want to, um, I think we should probably put out like a kind of a trigger warning for people sure, um, to let them know, you know, we're going to be talking about abuse and we're going to be talking about abortion. So if that's hard for them, I just want to proceed with caution. Of and course. I know when I have um, listened to things, whether it be in mass or podcasts or right. you know, anything on the radio, when somebody gives the warning, then it's like, okay, maybe today's not a good day to do to, for me to listen to this, but I want to hear what's yeah. going to be said. Yeah. So yeah. I wanted to throw that out there. No, as thank well. you. So I guess we'll go with the two tough subjects first. Sure. <laughs> um, I um, had an abortion many, many, many years ago and um, just, you know, I knew it wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't want to, sure, but I felt I just felt like I was trapped, and I'll kind of leave it at that. Okay, um, and so that is something that stuck with me for years and years and years and yeah. years. Um, and even after I had um, gone to our parish priest, maybe two years after, three years after it happened, um, and he was, so, you know, he was so um, he was so good. You know, there wasn't a, yeah. there was no judgment. Um, my biggest thing was how can God ever forgive this sin? Mm. Especially when you, when I knew going into it, Yeah, you know, um, and I've kind of learned like the different aspects of that and, um, really understanding what was going on of why, why I decided to make that decision. So, um, you know, there's so much 
so much talk about that and you can go back and forth and, and all of that. Um, I know for me that, um, it, it's taken a long time to really feel God's grace in that. Um, so, you know, I had that kind of hanging over my head for a little bit. And, um, one of the, one of the things that really helped me in the very beginning was this priest. Um, he read to me in Luke's gospel, the story of the woman who went to Jesus and, and, um, washed his feet with her tears. Um, I think it's Luke seven. I don't know. I'm not really good at that. But, um, uh, so that was really like, I read that passage and I kept thinking, well, that would work for her, but it's not going to work for me. But then as time went on, it was like, okay, maybe I have a chance. Like yeah. I, I go back to that reading and I, I read it, I don't read it as often as I used to, but when I was really struggling, I would go back and um, th- the last yeah. um, part of that passage is your faith has saved you. Mm. And so I'm thinking, okay, there's a chance, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. There's a chance. So, you know, that kind of has been... Um, honestly, something just in the last maybe a couple years that I'm really like, I just know with yeah. all my heart about forgiveness. Yeah. Um, and so, um, you know, that's, that's one part of my story that kind of, yeah, you know, has it, it's, it's something that I, again, people don't want to talk about. Right. Right. And, um, I guess through the years I've heard some really difficult things said. Yeah. Um, of course, you know, in the community, in the, in the world, it's this huge debate. Um, but it's also like, I don't think people realize all of that can go into that decision. Yeah. Um, not that I'm making an excuse at all. No, of course, of course. But I feel like it's, um, you know, I think, I think for example, like I've been to masses where there's a lot of shame, Yeah. you know, on that. Um, I ended up having several miscarriages before I had my children. And so, you know, to go to healing masses and it was yeah. kind of this divided thing on people that naturally lost their children and then people right. who made that decision. And so I just, I just like whoever's listening, especially priests, if yeah. you're or deacons or anybody that's, you know, doing some of the pro-life things in, in the um, parishes, right. just to kind of keep that in mind, yeah, like to go soft. And thank you. Thank you to all priests out there who, when you speak and preach about this topic, that you do so with love. Yes. Because that's, that's the aim. Because if we do anything and love is not our aim, we've completely missed the point with the entire Bible, with the entire gospel. If we don't, if love is not our aim, then Jesus is not in what it is that we're saying or preaching or teaching. So just thank you to everybody out there who, uh, in leadership, in authority, who has spoken uh, with compassion and love uh, on this topic. So thank you. Yes. And it, that for that's kind of really what made everything change for me. Mm. I mean, there was a point that I was away from the church because I didn't feel like I was worth being wow. here because of what had happened. Um, and then, you know, once I had sought out people sure. that would support me, that is exactly what I felt. Like they want to know how much Jesus loves me. Yeah. And that he forgives me. So, um, he, let's keep doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I'm glad you, I'm glad you said that. Cause yeah. I, that's an important, important part for yeah. me. And yeah, it's just so powerful, right? Like in those moments where we're vulnerable because of sin that we, um, that we decided to partake in or things that happened to us, like in those moments of vulnerability, um, yeah, like a word has the, so much power yes. to, to say, to embody the the Lord's embrace for us or to to turn us off. Yes. And they say, oh, you know what? Ugh, they just missed it. And I don't feel loved. I don't feel cared about. I feel judged, whatever. And mm-hmm. obviously there's a discernment that needs to happen there as well. But just um, the words spoken in those moments are so, are so essential. And yeah, just a, a word to the wise. I think those moments are far more common than we think they are. Yes. They're every day. They're every Sunday. Fathers, if you're out there, guess what? That's an every Sunday moment for you. Mm -hmm. Every homily. There's no exception to 
the flock that you're preaching to, deacons to the flock that you're preaching to, um, of those in the pews. Yes. Every single moment, every single Sunday, it's it's a moment uh, mm-hmm. for compassion. Yeah, and there's you know there's I know that there's people sitting in those pews, right? Yeah. That's your audience. Yeah. Um, it's not the people that maybe don't agree with, right. you know, our faith or the you know our stance on on this issue, but um, they're sitting in the they're sitting in the pews. Like yeah. I sat in the pews for years. Wow. And heard some really great things, and I heard some really judgmental things that like struck me to my core. Sure. Like I had to leave because I was so upset. Yeah. And I just don't want, I've said this many, many times, like I just don't want other people to have to feel that. And honestly, yeah. I, I think it's gotten better over time. Sure. Um, that I don't hear quite the judgment part of all of it. Right. So, um, so anyway, that's kind of my, um, you know, part of all of, of course, that. Of course. Um, so, you know, there's that part of my story. Sure. And then, um, again, another trigger warning, this will, this next topic will be about abuse. You know, Project Rachel, I went through many, many years ago, so I don't really know how it's set up now. Um, Can you explain for our listeners what Project Rachel yeah, is? Yeah, Project Rachel, is it still called Project Rachel? Okay. Um, it is uh, through the Archdiocese and it's a, it's a healing journey. Um, and my understanding is you could, um, so back when I when I did it, it was like once a week for maybe six, eight weeks or something like that. And it's a, it was a small group of women who had the same story I did. Okay. Um, and so, it, you know, it could become like a support, um, a support group. Um, and I think the big thing for me was like, oh my gosh, all these women are feeling the same way I am, mm. you know, because in the real world, people say, oh, I don't have it. I don't have a regret for that. Sure. And, um all of our story, I mean, the story of what happened is a little bit different, but I know that, um, the theme, yeah. you know, the regret, mm-hmm. um, grief is different. That kind of grief is a lot different. Mm. Um, because you've mixed up for me, I mixed up in all the guilt and shame and sure yuck <laughs> that, yeah. that went with that. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was good for me too. And then at the end of, end of your, I'm sorry, I can't remember how many weeks it was. Um, there was a mass, okay, um, and then we were offering our children up during mm-hmm. the mass, and I I did find that very healing for the part of you know at that moment. Yeah. But for me, it just didn't. There was something else, mm. you know. I just didn't feel complete. I think I got in the way. Honestly, mm. I was like, oh, okay, I'm good in this moment. We, t- we tend to do that. Yes, get we in do. our own way. Yeah, Linda's smiling at me because. She, I do it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm better than I used to, right? Way better. Yes. Yeah. So I think in that, you know, in that time and, you know, I, I have not followed up with any of the other women that I went through it with, so I don't really kind of know where they are. Mm. Um, but for me, it was, okay, I feel good about this. I've, I've acknowledged, you know, yeah. um, but then as time went on, it was just like, I think I probably let the devil <laughs> yeah. say too many things to me because it was just, I kind of went back to all of the horrible messages yeah. that I'd previously told myself. Yeah. So, um, and I think for me, it's, you know, we'll talk about this next subject and I think yeah, of course. It's, it's gonna be all wrapped up in to why that just wasn't enough. So okay. if anybody is listening to this that is post-abortive and wants some kind of support, um, I would highly recommend. And I'm sure most, most archdioceses have some program like yeah, that. Yeah, I'm not sure if the, the title Project Rachel is yeah. a national or international title, but I know that, um, yeah, like you said, I mean, we have Project Rachel still up and running here in the Archdiocese mm-hmm. of Kansas City in Kansas. So, um, again, seen, those resources are online. Yeah, I've yeah. seen it called um, Rachel's Vineyard too. Okay. So, I, if people are googling, sure, I, th- I, it's been it's been a while, but I'll put the link to Project Rachel information in the show notes of this Perfect. episode. Perfect. Um, but and then, for anyone that's in a different diocese, if they were to check with their diocesan pro-life office, that's where Project yes. Rachel is out of. So okay. that might be a resource for them if they just yep. called their local diocese and mm-hmm. asked for the pro-life office. There you go. Yeah, there's also um, a program for men, too. Yeah. Um, and I, oh, Gabriel? Yeah, that's that's Maybe? that's what came to my mind. That's the first name that came to my mind too. Um, but obviously, you know, that's that could be a different 
that's going to be a different issue. Sure. Um, and maybe a different response. So yeah. I do know that that's available too. So if there's any, you know, any men who feel like that they need some support because of that, look for that too. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Part yeah. next, next part. There you go. <laughs> um, so again, a little bit of a warning cause we'll talk about abuse. Um, I, um, was sexually abused by a member of, um, the church. I'm, um, I'm just going to leave it very vague with that. Sure. And, um, that's how I met Linda <laughs> trying to find, um, some resources. Yeah. Um, I knew, um, well, I did, I guess I didn't know what it was, you know, like, yeah. um, I remember even, and I'll, we'll talk about this a little bit, but I remember kind of giving my report, you know, you, you come in and you give right. your report of what happened to you and, you know, I'm getting into all the details with, with Linda, um, and the investigator. And then I said, now, is that what that was? Hmm. Is that abuse? Is that, that abuse? Yeah. Is that abuse? And I remember Linda and Jan looking at each other like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's really interesting because it, what kind of really sparked me to, um, report, um, was the whole Larry Nasser me too thing that mm. got started. Um, he was a coach, you know, he's a coach and oh, okay. everybody looked up to him. And so I think that, um, it just, it just kind of hit the news, Yeah, you know, it was all around that time. And I decided like it was kind of, it was hugely triggering for me. Yeah. Um, and then um, I ended up, there was something posted on Facebook from the Archdiocese. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it triggered me. And um, I ended up being connected with Linda for that part. And Linda gave me a lot of grace where um, I wasn't ready to really talk about it. Is that the nice way to say it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I would say space yes so we made our connection and then you needed some space to think and then we reconnected to see if you were ready and that's when you decided it was time to open up yeah yeah so it's just kind of I mean talk about God's timing yeah right mm -hmm. um you know, I wasn't whatever I can't, I don't even know what the subject was on this Facebook page, but whatever it was, sure. it kind of triggered me. And then, um, but it was the start of, I was kind of opening up this, oh my gosh, this happened to me. Um, and so, you know, I'm telling you about what happened to me of course. with the abortion. And then you throw this on top of it. Of course they're completely, yeah, they are completely intermixed, um, in the process. So when I reported, I, um, you know, Linda was able to walk through that with me. Um, I'm going to have her, if you don't mind, kind of share some statistics about, you know, reporting and what that looks like. Well, if we're talking about childhood sexual abuse, um, most people, most children don't report. And if they do, they often report to another peer, another child. But for them to really come forward with their story, the average age for someone to do that is uh, 52, 53 years old. Wow. So that means that they have carried that burden with them um, sometimes for 40 or 50 years uh, before they can find, um, find an outlet or, yeah. or find a release to be able to talk about what happened to them. Wow. That's, Wow. It is a big well. Um, and, I, you know, I think as caring adults, when we hear something that raises the alarm, we need to think about that. And I know that people are afraid of making mistakes. Sure. But if you hear something that makes you uncomfortable, that makes you think about what might possibly be happening with the child... I would say err on the side of caution and protect that child. Tell somebody, talk to somebody. Um, there's lots of venues to uh, bring that up, to, mm. to bring it out into the light. Um, and one of the things that the Archdiocese does is we use the Virtues Program, Protecting God's Children, with all adults 
um, who are working around children, mm-hmm. teachers, clergy, yep. volunteers, any any adult who's working around children. And within that program, there is such a wealth of information yeah. um, to help people understand, uh, but also to be able to start the conversation. Yeah. Because if we can't talk about it, we can't address it. The Virgis program is, is wonderful. They... Um, yeah, they have scholarly information, scholarly articles that they are, they're doing research on, on healing, on reporting, on best practices that they're sending to you every month and you have to stay, you know, you have to complete monthly certifications to stay certified and whatever. Um, but I just love how comprehensive it is. And they use a lot of different experts. So these are people that know what they're talking about. Uh, people from law enforcement, people from the judicial, judicial system, uh, therapists, uh, people that have good information to share. And those monthly bulletins that you mentioned, they're short, they're easy to read, and there's a wealth of information. And you can access them. Again, it's not, if you read them and then um, kind of file it away in your memory bank, Mm -hmm. but you can always go back into the Virtus website and look at them again just to review that information. If something comes up and you think, oh, I read about this, but I don't remember. Right how they said to address it, yeah. you know, go back and look yeah, at them. There's a database there that you can go and, and search mm-hmm. uh, within. Yeah. I think um, probably one of the most common things that we hear is um, the, the high percentage of women who are victimized at some point in their life. Mm-hmm. So um, currently, depending on which research you look at, it's one in five or one in four women will experience sexual abuse at some point in their life. Um, and for males, it's, um, again, depending on the research that you're looking at, one in six maybe, um, or some other research says one in ten. But the one thing that we know about sexual abuse is that it's the most underreported crime. So if this is what the research is telling us, then we also know that because it's so underreported, yeah, it's, it's probably a little bit greater than yeah. what we're seeing. Yeah. Wow. Words kind of fail in responding to that. So, yeah, I think the um, as a survivor, when I hear um, what Linda's saying, it's like, um, believe, believe people when they tell you that this happened. You know, if we're talking yeah. the average age is 52, mm-hmm. um, that's a long time yeah. for some people. And so the other thing that, you know, if you get into the whole statute of limitations sort of thing, you know, if they're, if they're carrying this for that long, Mm -hmm. it's just like, okay, well, you know, I just, I just need to heal from this. Yeah. Right. Um, in a way it's kind of fortunate that you don't have to deal with all the legal part of all of that, you know, having Mm -hmm. to, I think that I, I know some people probably have to do that, but, um, you know, I've, I've had people say, well, why, why did you even bring this up? If, if there can't be any legal action done. Hmm. And I'm like, well, because I've kept it in the dark and it's it's literally killing me yeah. um, and it's killing my spirit. And so um, I think that, again, anybody who that's part of their story yeah. to know, oh my gosh, there is so, it's so much brighter on the other side. Yeah. Um, and I, I do love that, you know, there's these training programs and that, um, all the detail that's gone in to, you know, some of the stats that Linda's talked about. And one of the things that Amy had to learn as part of this process was that healing is an active process. It's, you know, there's that cliche out there that time heals all wounds. And I can tell you that that's not true. Mm, Yeah. Uh, Time is passive. So if you really, truly want to heal you have to be actively involved in your healing and part of that process requires that you be able to talk about it and verbalize what happened yeah because as amy taught me um, things that stay in the dark tend to fester and they you don't really heal yeah they don't go away they just get buried and then that pain resurrects itself yeah. at inopportune times, yeah. in, in times of stress or um, when other trauma might be happening right. in your life. And 
then your life tends to explode out of control and maybe spirals into chaos. Mm -hmm. So it's very important that people understand that healing is an active process and you've you've got to talk about it in order to heal. Uh, Soldiers in World War II, um, after they went to the med bay or whatever, if they Mm -hmm. were taken off the line because they got, you know, shrapnel or whatever, injured for whatever reason, after the doctors did their best to get them all stitched up and patched up and whatever, um, they would put them out in the sun because Mm. sunlight heals wounds. It's a it's a healing agent um, for physical wounds on your body. And how wonderful that when we bring things into the light, they naturally will be healed. Yes. Uh, time doesn't heal all wounds. Jesus does. Yes. Mm-hmm. And bringing trauma to Jesus transforms it. It becomes something different. Yes. It becomes, it's a part of your fabric, sure, but it doesn't define you anymore. Yeah, so true. Um, and, you know, when I talked about, I kind of got in the way of the healing. I mean, there were so many layers to that. You know, you have to, first of all, you have to feel like you're worthy, yeah. which I thought for a long time. Um, I think it's also important to find a really good support system. So um, I know through the Office of Protection, um, you know, I was, Linda helped me. Um, I found different people that were helping to support me. Yeah. Um, so it's on, so they can, we can all talk the same language. Yeah. Right. Um, and only one of them that I know of, um, is also a survivor. So it's, I, I kind of get different perspectives. You sure. know, I get, you know, a, from a therapist perspective, who's Catholic. So she understands, um, she was able to help me understand that whole process. Sure. Um, and then, you know, a priest and my spiritual director and all of these, some, I just, I'm so grateful all of these people coming together yeah. in my life. And it wasn't like it was all at one time. Mm. It was, oh, I feel like I need this, Linda. <laughs> what, you know, what's, what's available? Yeah. Um, so, you know, shout out to everybody in that office, um, past and present, because I'm still getting, I'm still getting support from them. Um, if, you know, different things come up um, or um, like there's a, healing rosary every month mm. um and so you know i it's it's on facebook um father john riley does it and i can you know it's it's easy yeah. because i'm i can do it by myself but then sometimes that just kind of sparks some things for me right when i first started listening to it and so i have a group of people that i can go to mm. um you know it's really hard i think in the beginning to trust like are they going to judge me? Sure. What's that going to be like? And that has not, that has not happened to me since I reported it. And it's probably been five years now, maybe. Mm. Whoa. <laughs> um, once, you know, once I could like these people, they get it. Yeah. They know what to do. So, um, oh my gosh, such a, such a blessing. Wow. Such a gift. What a resource that we have. Yeah. Yes. To, to just, when you show up, I'm sure it's just like, I'm sure it's so nerve wracking of a moment. Um, but they're already, they're all just ready to receive you as you are. Mm-hmm. And I, I just love that's, that's Jesus. Yes. He's, he's ready to receive us as we are, um, to, to lift us up, to, to hold us and to, to carry us on, to, to, uh, lift us up, to go forward, um, gently, yes. not, uh, He's, I just love the fact that Jesus is a gentleman. You know, he's, he's kind, he's gentle, um, but man, he cares. And he loves with such a ferocity. It's it's unmatched. Yes, very yeah. much so. I always called it, what I call it, a ministry of presence. Yep. Yes, a ministry of presence. Um, because there's no shoulds. Like you should do this. There's no specific pattern that it needs to be right. done. And I think, again, I would encourage anybody who is talking to survivors um, of any, of anything, right. Um, it, it needs to be on their terms. Yeah. You know, you need to go into it. Um, one of the things that I'll share that, again, this is this is kind of hard, but um, the, the Hail Mary was used in my abuse. And wow. so, um, whoa, <laughs> wow. right? Um, and it's so interesting because, you know, I've said the Hail Mary many, many times and it never triggered, like I didn't even think about it until I started talking about what happened to me. And it took me a long time to go back into a church. Wow. Um, 
because Mary's everywhere. Yeah. And I hated that that was triggering for me. Wow. Um, so, you know, it was baby steps. It was, um, what did I do? I was listening to the rosary. Was it in a different language? You were at the Irish uh, oh. dialect or the... Celtic? Yeah. yeah. The, the, just the different... Oh, the dialect. Accent or the brogue. I see. Yes. Made it sound different enough that you were able to listen to it. Yeah. And I just found it one day. I'm just like, okay, I think I'm ready to, to listen to, you know, I mean, there's 53 Hail Marys on the rosary. That's a lot of Hail Marys yeah. if it's triggering. And um, yeah, for me, it was just like I found it. And I remember talking to Lyndon going, oh my gosh, I got through the whole thing. Yeah. They all have this really cool Irish accent. <laughs> um yeah. But it was it was the place I needed to start, wow. you know, and I don't think Linda would have been able to say, let's think about doing this in an Irish accent. Right. <laughs> um, or or just provided that for you. Yeah, yeah. It just kind of came to me. So, um, you know, that whole process when it has to be on your terms and um, I was I'm just so grateful that nothing was pushed on me. Yeah. You know, and I think um, definitely Linda and the people in that office at the time, like, I think, you know, you all get that. Everybody got that. They, and, and to this day, it's, um, what's the approach again? I'm sorry. Um, not attachment. Accompaniment. Accompaniment. Thank you. Um, and accompany means to walk with. Yeah. And, uh, I, I needed to lead. Yeah. You know, I needed to lead that. So, um, I was lucky enough to, you know, meet some different priests that, would give me the Eucharist outside of mass. Hmm. Um, I would I'd like in the beginning I could watch mass like sure. on COVID. <laughs> yep. We all watch mass for a while. Yeah. Um, and then I would ask if I could receive the Eucharist um, at some point because hmm. it, I just knew if I kept receiving and kept receiving and kept receiving. Yeah. Jesus is there. And so, you know, it's going to, He'll do the heavy lifting. Yes. Yeah. You just have to be open to yeah. that. And it was, it truly was being able to receive the Eucharist when I needed it. You know, I wow. did, it wasn't every day, you know, I wasn't, but, um, I was, I had talked to some priests that really gave me a lot of grace with that. Yeah. Like, I think I wasn't trying to get out of mass. <laughs> I wasn't trying to take a shortcut. Right. Um, I could receive you know, by myself in the church and sit there as long as I want, as I needed to. Yeah. And it was the things that came to me. Amazing. Wow. Just this, he's there. Like my heart was not so dark. Wow. Over time. Um, was that linear? No. <laughs> sure. There was sometimes it was a little bit harder and then, or if I would be triggered again by something, yeah. um, we would do that. So, um, that was just such a beautiful thing. I mean, that sounds, that's amazing. The fact that um, you had such loving priests who were able, who were accommodating, you know, uh, accommodating, accompanying, like it's got yes. that same root that they were um, willing to accommodate you in your journey. Um, and to, to per, what's the word? To cooperate with the Lord mm-hmm. in his work of restoration for you. Um, and just thinking about how the mass, how in every mass, um, Jesus would have done what he did if it was only just for you and just for me and just for you, Linda. Like he would have done the exact same thing had it only been for us because the Lord loves us that much that he'd rather die than spend eternity without us. Mm-hmm. He loves us that much. And at the mass, when He, when we all receive, it's as if we, we have that moment. It's just purely vertical with the Lord. It's just me and God. Like, he did that for me. He did that for us, yes, but he did that for me. Mm-hmm. And it's just pure connection in the Lord through the Holy Eucharist. And then it, it's this beautiful mystery of like the horizontal and the vertical uh, dimensions of the cross, how um, they intersect, and that is the heart of Christ, is where they intersect the vertical one on one, me and God, and then also nobody being excluded from his gift. Um, it's a communion, one that we experience together, right? This coming together. Um, 
So yeah, I just love that mystery, that dichotomy of that we find in the cross and that we find in Jesus' salvific action of his life, death, and resurrection and the Eucharist. It's it's wonderful. It is wonderful. And I I know that um COVID happened not too long after mm. all of this. And so you know, there was no mass right. for a while. Um and then um you know churches were starting to open up with adoration and that was my first experience really with adoration. Yeah. So I wanted to make sure I talked about that as well. There was so much, um, what I loved about adoration again, it was on my terms. Yeah. Um, I could go in and if I was feeling triggered about something, I could leave. So in the beginning I found adoration chapels that didn't necessarily have predominant, a statue of Mary Mm. in there. Um, and then there was one day that I was at um, a chapel and um, I noticed a statue of Mary. It was kind of off to the side mm. and it was it was like a carving. So it wasn't yeah. like our traditional. Sure. Um, and, you know, the traditional image would really trigger me for quite a long yeah. time. But this was it was beautiful. And I remember looking at it going and I just looked at her. Right. And was able to pray. Um, and it was like, oh my gosh, this is the beginning. Um, the thing, and you know what I, again, adoration, I think I, I think I was listening to one of your previous podcasts and you said, um, after, you know, like start with five minutes, start with 10 minutes. Sure. Yeah. And that's kind of where I was. And now it'll be an hour and I'll be like. Oh my gosh, that went by quick. I gotta go. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh shoot. I gotta get, you know, I gotta get to work. Get the kids. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think that for me as somebody that was healing, adoration was, was really my first step. Wow. Um, and I heard the, I heard the Lord in there just, just keep telling me it's going to be okay. Yeah. It's going to be okay. Wow. Um, and sometimes I'd be really triggered after being in there and I'd call Linda and then yeah. it'd be kind of a hot mess, wow. <laughs> but I, I went back mm-hmm. and it where it's, um, yeah, I mean, adoration was yeah. just, just a really good start. And I've heard other people in, in, you know, in your podcast say that, um, if you're wanting to come back or wanting to know more about it, yeah, it might be a good place to start. Yeah. I can't count on two hands, the amount of guests that we've had who have said in adoration, something happens. Yes. Something happened. That's, that's, it's in his presence. Um, I was just thinking about how the Lord doesn't ask us. He doesn't ask anything of us that he doesn't also give us the grace to do. Um, you know, move that mountain. It's like, what? No, he gives us the grace to pray with such faith that mountains can actually move. A more tangible example is like, the Lord makes himself available to us in the Holy Eucharist, in this little piece of bread that looks like just this piece of bread, right? Mm-hmm. And it's so non-threatening and it's just there. He's just there all the time in an adoration chapel somewhere, in a tabernacle somewhere waiting for you. And when we are, when we reciprocate that gift of just our availability, he blesses it. And what comes of it is just a life deeper, uh, a life more transformed by his love and by his presence. So yeah, if you're, if you're interested in learning more about the Holy Eucharist or you want to know um, what we're even talking about, just look up adoration times near me. Or there's even a great app. Well, actually, I don't know if it's on the app. Masstimes.org. I digress. But yeah, <laughs> Adoration Times near me. We actually have on our website, the Eucharistic Revival website that we have for the Archdiocese, a, a list, a directory of Adoration Times throughout the Archdiocese. So if you're wanting to know, oh, you're passing through one city or something, you've got family over here, yada, yada, that you can actually look up and see the church um, in those boundaries where you can go and adore our Lord. Mm-hmm. So a little fun fact for you. Yeah. And some, some churches are open during the day that yeah. have an adoration chapel. And, um, there's been a couple of times I've been in a different town and I'll just call yeah. and they'll give me the code <laughs> yeah. to get in. Um, so I mean, it's, you know, it's during the day, Sure, but, um, that's really nice. Everybody's really open to that. Right. Um, I wanted to tell another really cool story about of course, adoration. Of course. Um, a little more light, I think is just when you, when you just said, um, people, when they're in adoration, something happens, Yeah. right? They know that this is a very special thing. Um, so I have a friend of mine who, uh, she just passed away last month um, of cancer and she's not Catholic. Um, and she and I would talk about Jesus and 
everything. I mean, just everything. Um, and I was telling her about adoration and she's like, I want you to take me some time. So I took her, this was probably maybe a year and a half ago. Um, and I said, you know, whenever you, I'm going to leave it up to you. You, you tell me when you want to leave. And, and, uh, she was, she brought her own prayer book in Hmm. and was writing some things down and she was just sitting there and she was sitting there and she was sitting there. And I was just so full of joy right? because she was so, first of all, so open to it, even though she wasn't Catholic. Um, but when we left over an hour, um, she said there was something very special. Come on. Yeah. (laughs) It was really, really cool. Yeah. Um, and so she passed um, in June. Mm. And um, a honest truth, um, I, she was in hospice. So mm. I had, was able to see her. And then it was getting towards the end. And it was like I was letting her family have their time. Sure. And um, I was at the adoration chapel. It just happened like, I feel like I need to go to ador- that yeah. adoration chapel. I've been, she was on my heart. Um, coolest. Oh gosh, I love her. Um, so I'm in adoration. And I'm, you know, at at the one where we were, and I yeah. wanted to sit in the seat that she was sitting in. Okay, and somebody was in there. <laughs> what am I? I don't, what am I going to do? Kick her out? <laughs> but I was close, and I just, I just was praying for yeah. my friend, praying, praying, praying. Um, and as I was leaving adoration, I got a phone call mm-hmm. from her son that said she had just passed away. Wow. And I was like, I was in the chapel <laughs> of where I had taken her. Like it was, it's just so beautiful to me. Wow. Because I knew that that was, that was like the beginning of her, like her first experience yeah. of something quote Catholic right? and how much, how great that was. And wow. so, you know, when she was sick, I would say, I'm going to go to adoration. I'm going to pray for you. And she, she loved it. And yeah. so anyway, I was, when I got that phone call, I was just like, oh my gosh, wow. that's where I was supposed to be. Wow. Offering up her. So. That's profound. Yeah. Um, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So. I mean, obviously you're still on the, the journey of healing. You're still on the way. We're all on the way. Um, mm-hmm. But what does your lived relationship with, with Jesus look like today? Um, I think as, it, as I was starting to come back to Mass, yeah. um, Linda, part of the accompaniment was um, we started with daily Mass. Sure. And Linda's not a morning person. <laughs> <laughs> and so bless her heart, we would go to 7 o'clock Mass. You're a night owl. I am. Nice, I, nice. Even in retirement, at, or maybe especially now because I'm retired, I, I've always been a night owl. Bless your heart. Yeah. You're, my wife and you would get it on. <laughs> so, I mean, that really was a yeah. huge thing. I've thanked her a million times for that because it was really, I, I needed somebody there with sure. me. And I the priest who said it, um, who said mass was somebody that I had met with. And so sure. I felt comfortable. Sure. Um, I almost feel like I have to vet who I'm going to go listen to for mass. Yeah. And that sounds really That's okay. Harsh. No, no, no. I, I feel like that's, I think that's a fair thing to yeah. say for you. Yeah. yeah. Um, just to know kind of what, what their message is. Um, and so, um, so anyway, I felt, you know, I felt comfortable doing that. And it took me from probably the time that I reported to maybe 18 months later mm-hmm. to be able to go to mass alone. Okay. Without needing a babysitter. Uh, Linda's like my babysitter. Your mass buddy. Yes, my mass buddy. Um, Where I, you know, and it was Easter Sunday. Oh, wow. And it was with the same priest. And so um, it was just like, he was so happy for me. I was so happy for me. And, you know, people are like, well, you went to pass by yourself. I'm like, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't need somebody there in case something triggers me or sure. upsets me or whatever. Um, so I think that um, that was a huge turning point. Wow. To Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. I know. What a, I mean, what better day? Come on. Yeah. Um, it was also during COVID when you still not, well, obviously the first Easter of COVID, sure. everything shut down. But in the next year, you still kind of have like have a ticket to get in. Yeah. And um, I was always kidding. It was like the Willy Wonka. <laughs> I got yeah, my right. Willy Wonka ticket to go to mass. Yeah, um, it was definitely an awkward time for yes. every, everybody. It was. But, you know, for me, oh, my gosh, I felt so safe. Yeah. You know, I could just get on and watch. Mm. Um, 
and I would pick different, you know, right. That, that was another way for me to kind of just see what was being said out there. Sure. Um, and I, I, majority of the time I liked yeah. what was happening. I don't think anybody would blame you for like putting your toe in the water, you know, like easing back in. I mean, yes. come on, there's, I, there's no judgment there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, since then, um, I probably, I probably go to adoration. I try to go at least once a week. Mm. Um, and so, you know, throughout, throughout, depending on what my work schedule is like sure. and all of that. Um, but I feel like if I don't get there one, at least once a week, something's missing. Mm. Like I can be at my house and pray. It's just different. Yeah. The physicality of being near to him. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that's part of it. Um, I have, um, a prayer that comes through like a daily prayer comes through my email every morning. Um, and, it's, it's really quick and easy for like, it's, it's fast. Yeah. So, um, it has all the daily readings on it. Somebody's written a little homily at the end. So I can kind of think about all that. It talks about whoever feast day it is. So it's just kind of this yeah. quick glance. Um, and I really, that's just, if, if for some reason I don't get that, I'm like, I got, I got to get back to that sometime today, yeah. which is really nice. Yeah. Um, so, you know, mass is just, it's just so much easier. For right. me to be able to go to, um, and it's I want to I want to be there, and I used to think I wasn't worthy of being there, and it's just like, nope, I'm right up there. Was there anything that changed or switched for you in that process of realizing that, like, rediscovering your true worth and identity? Like, what? How did that happen for you? Well, I think the um, the big the big thing for me was. Sure. Um, I needed to, even after all this time, really acknowledge that that was a child, like talking about the abortion, that was a child of mine. Yeah. And um, I was able to, it was the anniversary date, and I was able to like write a letter mm. and just, it was just very healing. Um, I shared it with the priest. Um, I was not going to mass in person at that time. Um but it was just like I could just feel the grace yeah. in that room, um, and I was able to receive communion right afterwards, and you know, in her name and yeah. in remembrance of her, and um, so that you know, to do that with a priest that yeah. that understands all of this was there was no judgment, yeah, no judgment. Um, I got a blessing. I just was. It was just. It, that could be kind of became the time that I was like ready to go back to mass on Sundays and, and Linda would go with me then. But, um, yeah, I think it was a lot of, a lot of little different things, but I, I honestly think also with the abuse hanging over my head and yeah. in the past, you have both of those, right? I had yeah. both of those kind of colliding and, um, I didn't realize, um, how intertwined they were until I started pulling that, yeah. Pulling that apart. Um, I had started um, not too long before that. I had listened to um, a retreat that somebody did online. And it the sh um, he talked about Mary Undoer of Knots. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I, I never, I didn't know what that was. So I got on Google and I looked at it and I was like, yes. Like this is all knots. Yep. One gigantic knot. And I felt like it just became this ball of twine. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, where do I even start pulling this yeah. apart? So, I mean, you know, writing that letter was a big thing, but it was really, you know, all right, Mary, help me with this. Yeah. Um, and this is when I couldn't really see her, you know, her image would be triggering to me. Yeah. So that whole thing is amazing. Yeah. In itself. So we're actually recording this on the, the feast day of Saints Joachim and Anne. Uh, which mm -hmm. is Mary's parents. Mary, the underer knots, Pope Francis has a huge devotion to her. Yes. And uh, and I just, yeah, I think it's wonderful on this feast day of Saints Joachim and Anne to realize that who did Mary learn this stuff from? Her mom. Right. Undoing these knots. Um, so St. Anne, pray for us. Um, yeah, undo the knots of our hearts, undo the knots of our trauma, of our whatever it is, just she's there. Mm -hmm. and and mary mary the the mother <laughs> our queen mother she's there for us we're ready to help us undo any of these 
these these tied up situations we might find ourselves in. Mm-hmm. And I I think once I was feeling more comfortable saying the Hail Mary and other prayers, um, I could just feel her part. Yeah. Of this, I'm a mom. Yeah. So just thinking from that perspective. Yeah. Um, it's just been it's been amazing. She's a great mama. Yes, she is. She's the best. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And I was just thinking too about how you said, um, like in that process of coming um, back into the full life of the church, if you will, of going to mass and then, you know, maybe something triggered you to use your words. Um, you were able to come out and call Linda or somebody else that you had the support system and just how grateful I am that we have the body of Christ, that yes. we are one of the body of Christ, that we have many members many parts, many different functions, and yet we're all able to be there for one another in, in the ways in which we need help, guidance, assistance, uh, accompaniment, whatever. Um, but I just love that, that we are not alone. Jesus is always with us. Yes, we are never alone. He's with us forever. Um, but even here physically through one another, we are, um, we're never alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think the big, the big takeaway, if we think about maybe two audiences, sure. maybe three, is... Um, survivors or women that are post-abortive, there's help for you. Yeah, I know from experience of not dealing with it or getting in the way of Jesus healing, it's 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 not going to get better. And so, I, you know, if, if it's on your heart to come back, you know, to come back or to want to really feel forgiveness, do that. Yeah, you know, maybe start with the pro-life in this archdiocese or. Another archdiocese sure. to see if you could, you know, find somebody that can help you with that aspect. Yeah. Um, or the, you know, the protection office of protection. Um, yeah. Something like like that. There's people there to help you with that. Yeah. And I, gosh, that first step is the hardest. Mm-hmm. I think that's maybe why I wasn't the nicest to Linda the first time I talked to her, because I was just so like, I don't know if I trust anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, bless your heart. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that um, you can tr- you can trust. Yeah, find the people that you can trust, and it will make a world of difference. Make a world of difference. You said this phrase a little a few times, and I just would love some clarity. So you say getting in your own way, getting in the way of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Could you speak into that? Like, what what do you mean by that? One thing I've learned in this whole process is how much. When I say I was getting in the way, yeah. I was the one that was saying I don't deserve to be oh, okay in there. Um, you know, at mass because of this happened I gotcha. or um, I, people should be angry if they're, if they're a victim yeah. of abuse. And so I had to go through all of that as well. Okay. And um, so that part of it is like, m- instead of just offering it back, yeah, it would be, I'd hold on to my anger. Okay. Or I would hold on to, you know what? You really don't deserve to be here. Inner lies. Yeah. Yes, inner lies. So that's what I mean about me okay. getting in the way. That's great. That's great. It's really almost that complete surrender. Yeah, is what I'm talking about. Is um, because it just doesn't. You know, I'm trying. If I was trying to figure it out, it yeah. just was not. Right. It was just not not working for many many years. Right. Um. So and and the other thing about if I'm thinking about like the pool yeah. of people, sure, is um. I think the hardest thing I'm still working on this of course. is the forgiveness part of what happened to me. Yeah. Um, you know, forgiving myself, I finally was able to do that of, of the abortion. Yeah. And I was finally able to accept God's forgiveness and grace for me in that. Um, and I truly mean that. Sure. Um, Cause believe me, I spent many, many years yeah. saying getting in the way of, of the opposite, sure. you know? And so um, I think that, so when I think about forgiveness, the people say, oh, you should probably forgive the person who did this to you, who abused you. And oh my gosh, at first I was like, uh-uh, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And that's me getting in the way again. Mm. Um, and so again, how this is so intertwined for me is if it's hard to forgive. Yeah. You know, when I, when I sit and think about what happened to me, um, and what's happened to other people too. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I have to remind myself, it's just like, it's not me to do the, the judgment. Yep. It's not me to forgive 
in like, okay, it's okay. You know? Yeah. It's I not okay. It, it's not okay. Yeah. And so, especially recently, um, yeah. and I think it's when I contacted you, it was really starting to all come together. Sure. It's like, if God can forgive me for those things I did yeah. and continues to forgive me when I mess up, yeah. then I would like for that to be the story of the person who did that to me. Yeah. I just know how miserable I, I was when I just yeah. didn't feel like I was forgiven and it were when it was all me yeah. and how much easier things are. Right. Like I'm just don't have this. I used to say to Linda, I feel like I have an elephant on my chest. Wow. I can't breathe. It's a process. Yeah. The forgiveness part. But I think I keep going back to yeah. I'm forgiven for what, for what I did. Yeah. And I, I really truly want that yeah. for anybody else. Now, is it pretty? No. Yeah. <laughs> um, sometimes it comes back. For example, like, you know, the Larry Nasser thing, he, he was just in the news uh, like a week yeah. or two ago. Oh, he, really? he got hurt in jail. And, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that really wasn't a, yeah. a nice heart that is like my first reaction, right? Mm. And so it, now it's just like, okay, I don't like that I feel that way. Like, yeah. oh. So I, I just give it all back to God. Yeah. And so now it's... Um, I don't feel like it's that piercing I gotcha. when I hear it. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I've, I've learned that like forgiveness is not a feeling. You know, it's going to be really, really difficult to love the people who've wronged us, mm-hmm. um, even in the most grievous senses. Like, but forgiveness is not, it's not a feeling. It's a decision. It's an action. Well, because you think about it uh, in the biblical sense, even it's not, yeah, it's not a feeling thing. It's a, it's a, it's a, it has to do with justice. It's like, it's mercy. Mm-hmm. It's mercy saying, you owe me, but I'm gonna, for, I'm gonna forego the debt. It's like mm-hmm. being, being in debt to the credit card company by like $100,000 mm-hmm. if you had such a limit or whatever. You yeah. know what I mean? But it's just gone. You say, you know what? I'm not saying I'm not gonna cry. I'm not saying I'm gonna be over it, but I forgive you the debt that you can never ever repay to me. You just can't do it. You can't undo what you did. Um, and the only one who's ever going to be able to patch this up and bring restoration is the Lord. So, yeah, I don't know. For me, that that really struck home when I heard that for the first time, that I don't have to feel all happy and butterflies and rainbows and daisies and unicorns mm-hmm. when I think about forgiveness. Not that I'm holding on to any resentment. It's just like, you know what? I'm just going to let go of this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let it fall at my feet. Mm-hmm. And whenever it does come up, I'm just going to remember that I've forgiven the debt. And just look at Jesus. Eyes up, eyes on. Jesus, just keep on moving. Yeah. And yeah. what I found myself doing is wanting to go to adoration. Yeah. To be in his presence. It's quiet. Yeah. Um, and just, okay, I like, take this. I don't really like the way I'm feeling about this. Yeah. Um, I understand yeah. it. Yeah. But just take it. And, you know, it it goes away so much faster than it used it to really because does. I give yeah. it, because I give it up. Yep. So, um anything you know big small just giving it to god yes lord i'm really frustrated with uh, you know you just name it whatever it is old new big small mm-hmm. it just goes away so much faster yeah. it really does yeah so that would be my kind of advice for survivors people yeah. um with either one of my stories and i think the other thing is that oh my gosh the compassion that different people in the church have shown me yeah on all of these, and I've, I said this before, but, um, you know, if you're a priest listening and somebody comes to you with anything like that, yeah. just being a ministry of presence, yeah. like, um, I'm sure that it would be like, okay, go to mass and it'll be, you know, if that's what you need to do to heal sure. and, you know, just giving them some, some grace and, and letting it kind of be on their terms yeah, because it's, um, when that has happened, it has been wonderful. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's been instances where it hasn't happened. And it's like, I just kind of left going, oh, that interaction yeah. wasn't all that great. Right. And I've, I've said this for quite a while as I, um, I want people that are hurting to feel the same support that I have felt. Yeah. Um, by the church and by God, and yeah. by Jesus, and by Mary, and everybody that shows sure. up when I when I pray, yeah. um, that you really it it does get better. It's it's 
there were some days it's really, really hard. Yeah. And then, you know, now I'm just like, I'm so grateful. Yeah. That, yeah. that I'm on, for the most part, the other side of that. Yeah. <laughs> Things still pop up. And the enemy, he, he's so low. He wants to keep us isolated. Yes. He wants to keep us in the dark. He wants us to be blind, deaf, and dumb. He doesn't want us to be able to see God, see the light, hear God, hear his voice. He does not want us to be able to speak his word unto ourselves, unto those around us. And I was, I heard it was a homily by Father Mike Schmitz. So, I mean, that dude's going to be a saint one day, no yes, doubt. Yes. But just, um, he was saying how, um, like, what do you do as a tactician in war? Like you hit your enemy where they're weakest. And the enemy is warring against man. He's warring against mankind. He wants nothing more than to just destroy us. He doesn't even, he just wants us to lose. That's all he cares about. He wants us to lose, period. Um, and like, okay, as, as a tactician, you hit people where they're weak, where they're, where they're vulnerable. But the Lord, he builds us up where we're vulnerable if we turn to him. And yeah, so just, just, just know that the act of the enemy is, is not one of love. It's one of isolation and despair, but the Lord calls us to so much more and he's, he's handing it to us uh, every day, every moment. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure where I was going with that. Oh, one cool thing. Um, (laughs) healing, um, the word healing in Greek, one of the many words is sozo means to set free. And it also means to restore to fullness, not just to like make right, but to, to restore to fullness. Yes. Uh, full and total release of of the captive and then also just this full and complete total restoration of the whole person um yeah i just love that that you see this all over the scriptures you see heal heal jesus is just he's preaching and then he's healing he's preaching and then he's healing. he's like hey i'm the messiah in one way or another and then i'm going to show you that i'm actually the messiah in one way or another so yeah i just love it i want to live in his kingdom i want to live in the kingdom of life all my days yeah yeah because i i I felt what it's like not to do that. And yeah, this is so same, much better. Same. Oof, for so sure. much better. So I think now might be a great time to jump into a short section of Dominice Cene that we uh, are walking through together, this document by Pope St. John Paul II. Um, yeah, this document, he wrote to his brother bishops just to put forth some general reflections on worship of the Eucharistic mystery. Why? So that the people of God might come to participate more fully in the spiritual sacrifice of the Mass. Because he, he noticed that the, there's just a huge need for authentic, wholehearted Eucharistic worship. And that he, he knows that Jesus is there waiting for us in that sacrament of love. So we're going to look at paragraph 12 Perfect. of this document, which is the second to last paragraph. And he's talking at this point about the Eucharist as the common possession of the church. That the church possesses the sacrament insofar as the sacrament is only found in the church insofar as the this gift of the sacrament, Jesus' body and blood, soul and divinity, was given to the church. Um, that's that's kind of what he means with respect to this uh, possession, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's there's two parts t- that stuck out to me is yeah. um, we're, we're all worth it, and that's the key to healing. Yeah. What, whatever that looks like. It can be adoration. It can be yeah. in the Mass. It can be um, just... Yeah. I mean, you cannot tell me any different that he is not in the presence. Yeah. Because I feel him. Yeah. Every single time. Yeah. So, again. And, and to clarify, we're not Pelagians. We're not heretics here. We, what, why are we worth it? Because Jesus says so. That's why. Mm-hmm. Not because of anything that we did to earn God's love in this way. Um, we are worth it because he has said we are worthy of his love. And he gave us the Eucharist. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's so ironic and it's this paradox. The church is full of the paradox, like these paradoxes all over the place. Like the first shall be last and the last shall be first, you know, give and you shall receive. You know, it's just like, this doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. If I give, I have less. It's like, no, Jesus is saying, no, if you give, I will, I will bless you abundantly with, with so much more, um, whatever. But this is an example of like, why are we worth it? Because we know that we're unworthy Yep. because we're human. That's why we're worthy because Jesus says so that we are worthy because of his love, because he knows that we can't do it alone. And if we know that too, then that's the first step in, in faith really is just knowing that we, we can't do it alone. We can't muscle our way to heaven. So, Nope. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I totally agree with that, every yeah. part of it. 
And I think that's the invitation today. Whatever's dead in your heart, whatever's dead, um, the Lord wants to, he wants to till and he wants to bring it back to life because that's all he really knows how to do because that's, that's his way. Mm-hmm. Um, he longs for you completely um, and uniquely, individually you. He longs for you. He pines for you. He, his heart is on fire burning for you, just for you. Yes, for everybody, but you, just you. So what will you do? He's calling you to the light. Yep. Come on. Yep. Listen. Yeah. Listen to him. Man. Well, Amy, thank you so much for your vulnerability and for sharing your story. You're welcome. Um, and I know it's not over yet. No, it's not over. Praise the Lord. You know, man. Yeah. I just hope anybody's listening who has any part of that story. Stay. Yeah. Just stay. Um, Jesus will heal you in that. Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. And there's people with the help. There's people to help. And like I said, we'll put all those helpful uh, links in the show notes here so that, um, yeah, you don't have to make that first step completely into the dark. Yeah. That it's, uh, we'll, we'll shine some light on that first step for you all to be able to take that step. Yeah. yeah that's wonderful. So, and Linda, thanks for all that you've done um, uh, for Amy, for all, many, many others, I'm sure, um, with the Archdiocese and beyond. So, um, yeah, bless you in your retirement and and your night owl It's been quite a journey, and I feel like uh, being part of the journey, you get, you receive as much as you give, Mm. and maybe sometimes more. So being able to walk with Amy and to watch her as she um, healed, I learned a lot of things myself, Mm. and so... A lot of times when she would be saying thank you to me, I would be saying thank you to her because today I learned yeah. about ministry of presence or I learned, um, I, you know, I, one thing that I, I noticed watching Amy and the draw to the Eucharist and her desire to come back, I realized that I kind of took that for granted. Yeah. I having been a lifelong Catholic, um, I I knew what the Eucharist was. I knew it was the real presence, but yet I kind of took it for granted. And so watching her and that pull to come back and the pull being the Eucharist kind of awakened some things for me and maybe just some realizations Mm -hmm. that um, I should never take my faith or the Eucharist for granted. Um, yeah. And and so, again, that was a learning moment for me uh, or an awakening moment for me. And so um, that, that was in my time with the Archdiocese, that was probably one of the best gifts was uh, t- to receive as much as I was trying to give. Yeah. So. Well, amen. Thank you, Jesus, for your healing love. Um, if this episode has blessed you, please share it. Um, please share it with all those that are in your spheres of influence. Um, and if this has blessed you, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify to help us get the word out. Why do I keep saying that? Because when there's more reviews on a podcast, it actually gets uh, it moves up in search results when people are looking for things pertaining to faith. So that's why. Is that if we care about getting the word out, that's a really really easy thing to do that will actually make a tangible difference. Um, so just leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And uh, But thanks for tuning in today. This has been New Mana. We'll see you next week.